Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Woohoo, everybody. Um, it's Lori here. I'm back on a very hot day in Los Angeles, and we have a really exciting show. We're going to be interviewing David Polinchek, who is a, a colleague of mine for many years. And David, for 20 years, has been exploring emerging technologies that can help brands and businesses tell better stories. So, really, He's been an early pioneer of a variety of emerging technologies and most really recently really digging deep into um, immersive uh, content with virtual reality and augmented reality, but really looking at everything. And so David is actually um, calling in today live from the show floor of Seagraph. And Seagraph is really one of the largest um, annual conferences and exhibitions that focuses on computer graphics and interactive um, techniques, and it's it's based at the LA Convention Center, and it really in recent years has become this really must-go-to conference for anyone who is looking at new content formats and new technologies. It used to be sort of more on the geeky side, but now it's on the cooler geeky side. Anyway, live from Seagraph, David Polinchuk. And, and you know what? You just gave away our secret. I tend to not tell people about this show so that we can keep it more cool. Okay. <laughs> so we don't want more people to go. It's just like when you find that really good, you know, traffic list path, you don't tell people That's about right. it, right? <laughs> or that awesome restaurant that you can always get into. That's right. Um, <laughs> well, David, give us give us some um, your background because you and I have known each other for a long time, including yep. many many um, crazy conferences abroad, um, where there's a lot of stories that we only share over drinks. But um, t- tell right. us um, tell give us a sense of your background because you were really one of the first people to build a, a technology lab specifically for brands and businesses. So give us a sense of your background. Sure. So I started many many years ago. I was actually a Disney character and. Parade performer, um, which is really uh, where I got dumped into the whole world of immersive experiences and environments and customer experience and creating great stories. Um, uh, fast forward a number of years, I was talking to a friend of mine who was at another great show that we used to go to all the time called IAPA, which is the big theme park show. It was the fall of 1990. And he said, hey, I just saw this cool thing called virtual reality. I bet you it'd be a great marketing tool. And I went, I'm in. And uh, in January of 91, we did our first event. I, I helped Dave. Dave Peters was his name, a good friend of mine, um, produce this event that we did in Las Vegas at CES. And that's where, uh, you know, that was the first time that virtual reality was something that a, a normal person can try. Uh, right, it was right, a system right. called Virtuality. It came out of the U.K., and when you, when you watch that people literally lined up for three hours to put on the head mount and do something, uh, it was very clear that this was going to be a very powerful technology, um, especially as it related to storytelling. So uh, through the 90s, uh, my company, the Cyber Event Group at the time, produced many big VR events. We, we were the tour managers for the Cuddy Sark Virtual Voyage, which... Mm-hmm. To date, is still the largest tour ever to use virtual reality. We were on the road for about 18 months, um, traveling around the United States. Um, I did a lot of stores openings for a place that nobody's ever heard of anymore called Blockbuster Video, uh, and um, really got to see firsthand what happens when you create a great story in this new immersive tool. Um, and... As the 90s went on, the technology didn't progress for the consumer side. It certainly continued to be used by uh, B2B people and in research and in design and other places. But as it related to consumers being able to put on a head mount and playing with it, um, it just it never progressed. So I moved on, as you said, to create a company called the Brand Experience Lab, uh, which was based in Soho in New York City really designed because a lot of people came to me and said, hey, if you like VR, you'll love what I'm doing with whatever. And the challenge back in the early 2000s was you couldn't just explain this to somebody. Right, right. 
people really needed to put something on or look at something or see it work in order to understand how it could be used and really just what it was. It was so um, foreign. It was like really, really foreign. And, and, you know, you didn't have, now you have a million websites, you have a million, you know, YouTube channels, you have shows like yours where you, where you can be introduced to emerging tech. But back then there was really no way. Um, and because a lot of the tech was at university research labs across the United States and around the world, it was really hard to get somebody to see something. Right, so right, right. We, we aggregated a, a number of technologies in Soho, um, and we would bring brands and marketers in and spend the day looking at technology uh, and, and, and really exploring, well, this is cool, but what could you do with it? Um, right. So, right. you know, as you and I have paralleled for many, many years, the challenge, particularly with emerging tech, is that the people who create the tech are fabulously wonderful genius people, but they're usually not good people at explaining what the tech does. Right, 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 right. The engineers are way too, you know, internal and geeky and don't speak the language of the user um, right. or, the, or the seller to the user. And so there's always been this disconnect. Yeah, it, it's like, you know, if we explained selling a, a television ad by explaining how the signal got broadcast from point A to point B. Right. You know, nobody, day, nobody, nobody would really watch it. how it happened. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, we just care that it does whatever it's supposed to do. And so uh, we actually won uh, uh, some awards for a program we did in, in movie theater where we used a motion capture system originally developed at Carnegie Mellon University at their Entertainment Technology Center that allowed an entire audience to play a video game on the big screen of a movie theater by leaning left or right in their seats. Um, and that, you know, we won a, a bronze at Cannes, we won a couple gold pencils. We were called the, one of the best marketing ideas in the world, and we spent the better part of a year traveling around the world presenting that technology before the lab um, you know, closed in 2008, 2009 or so. Uh, and then I, because I'm a lab guy and there's not many lab guys who can look at tech and understand it, even if I can't do it. And uh, sometimes uh, I'm a good storyteller. I went on to build a media lab for AT&T, for their AdWorks team. Um, I spent some time at PwC within their experience center. And now, as you said, I'm back looking at a variety of immersive technologies and what's next for how they can be used for brand storytelling. And you, um, of course, are always going to a number of different trade shows like me to, to check out what's happening and to really, you know, understand and be able to bring more of that back to folks. So tell us about the show that you're at right now. So SIGGRAPH, um, we, we were looking at it last night. I went to my first SIGGRAPH, we think, in 1994 back in Orlando. Um, it, SIGGRAPH is the special interest group of computer graphic people. So it's always been the show for high-end computer graphics, for really uh, top-notch research papers and presentations on what is the state of the art for computer graphics. Um, and that's one big part of the show. There's a large trade show where you see Intel and HP and you know a variety of different companies who are set up here to to talk about their products and their services. Um, and I believe you're coming tomorrow. Like me, I, you know, will spend more time at an emerging tech pavilion that they have, which are really research experiments that aren't products. And, and what um, kind of thing, what kind of, are, are, is it a lot of AR, VR, facial rec? Is it some of the things that we've been seeing around for the last year, or is it even crazier stuff? Um, you know what? What's great about SIGGRAPH is, yes, there's a whole VR village. There's a whole uh, experience environment where you can play with technologies. But there's always interesting things. There's a group here that's laser printing onto rocks. They've created their own language, oh. kind of their own hieroglyphics. And then they're just going to dump these rocks around the L.A. area. Huh. So that people in the future can find these rocks and learn the stories. 
Well, that's crazy. Um, but there's a lot of stuff like that. There's a lot. Of, I, I know there's a lot of stuff like that. Um, well, we're we're going to take a break in a moment. When I come back, I want to um, hear from you. Like you know, when you approach a show a show like this, there's so much to see, and it can be really overwhelming. So I kind of want to hear, you know, what's the first thing that you hit, and and what's been a mind blow. And you can hear a lot of the noise in the background because David is literally calling in from the show floor, which is what makes this so exciting. So um, you're going to give us the inside scoop on what's happening live on the floor at Seagraph, which is happening right now in Los Angeles at the LA Convention Center. We're going to hear more from David Polinchek, who is a chief experience officer for his consultancy for many brands and large businesses, helping guide them to the future. So we'll be back in a moment with David Polinchek. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back with the fabulous David Polinchak, who is a very well-known uh, technologist who uses his uh, special techniques and tools to explain what's happening in the world to brands and businesses. And today, David is calling in today from Seagraph 2017, which is one of the largest computer graphic and interactive technology conferences, um, which really arose from a more educational uh, point of view. And so there's a lot of cool stuff on the floor, edgy stuff, but there's also some stuff that is real and that's really going to be impacting businesses and brands and the world as we know it. So, David, I'm, I'm wondering, when you first walk into a show floor like this, what, what's your approach? Because it could be very overwhelming where to go and what to do. Um, sure. And, you know, again, you and I do CES every year, which is probably the most overwhelming show to do. Um, what I do is I really just run the entire show floor first. I don't really stop anywhere. I just look at everything kind of quickly, um, see what catches my eyes within that 30-second run-through so that I can then come back and put some my, uh, my time and effort into the things that I really think are different and interesting. Um, you know, there's plenty of places where if you want to learn about the latest 3D CAD software, there's plenty of places to read about that or learn about that that are much better sources than I am. Uh, but when it comes to things like how are we going to use AR or VR or 3D printing or the combination of all of those things, um, uh, there's not a whole lot of places where you can go and get that information kind of done well, done succinctly, and done in a way that makes people go, oh, that's what I could do with it. Right, and, that, and that's so, where you are today. So, so what are some of the things that you've seen what, what, that really blew you away today? Well, so there's a couple of things here. Um, one is um, there's a lot of, there's, of course, a lot of AR and VR. Uh, and, and I think we're starting to see VR become really used quite well in creating stories, not just in creating hype. Right, right, so right. So that's been really fun to see. Um, there's a company here. It's probably uh, a 20-foot wall with projections on it. Uh, and you play a video game by actually throwing kind of sticky balls at it. 
Uh, so huh. it's been a lot of fun to watch a whole, you know, a whole group of people standing up against this wall, throwing things at it. They're throwing physical things to interact with a virtual environment. Right. And is uh, that um, is that more under the sort of banner of um, mixed reality or or what would you call that kind of experience? You know, it's sort of AR. And, and I have to say, uh, I'll say this up front. I am. I don't find a difference between AR and MR and RR and all the R's. <laughs> the R's. Uh, I, I think you have, yes, I feel like a pirate many days. I'm like, um, You know, the, so there's virtual reality, which is where you put on the head mount and you're fully immersed. I, I kind of put everything else into augmented reality and mixed, you know, I, I think they're the same thing. So this would be more like an AR experience, right? Because you are interacting with a virtual object that's not there, but you're not fully immersed in the world. And as you know, from doing a lot of events and from being in large group experiences, VR is sometimes hard for that environment. Right, right, right. One head mount, you have to wait in line, and it takes a while to get it set up. So I like things like this. They're sort of, um, I can walk in, I can play for three minutes, I can walk out. Uh, right, so, right, right. so that's something I've seen. Um, the Disney research team has a very fun thing. Uh, I'll make sure you see it tomorrow where you're sitting on a bench looking at yourself in a monitor supered into an environment. But the bench comes alive as well. So when it suddenly starts pouring rain, uh, the bench is pattering as it would if there were raindrops hitting it. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. When virtual characters, there's uh, a character that appears on the screen and hands you an augmented reality ball that you can then take from that creature and play with it. Huh. Um, so I love, you know, again, I really love things like that. They're really fun and engaging. Um, what I particularly like um, about that piece is that it, it's accessible really to any age and anybody. I don't have and to it, speak a certain language. Is, do, you think, do you think that that stuff, forgive me for interrupting, but do you think that that stuff will be available to people like in their own homes or will this be also part of this wave of virtual reality location-based, you know, places where you go and you experience a ton of things and there's like it will replace movie theaters as we know it so do you think these sort of mixed reality experiences are going to be part of these vr arcades if you will yeah this is definitely out of home experiences whether they are used because i'm walking through the mall and i want to take a break and i sit down and suddenly the bench comes alive uh in in some kind of manner or i go to a vr arcade or movie theater um, that, that, these are definitely more on the uh, out-of-home side right now. And I think even if you look at VR, the head-mount-based VR, while there's certainly uh, you know, a large number of head-mounts in the marketplace, I think there's a better a- opportunity right now for the out-of-home stuff, where I don't have to plunk down a couple thousand dollars to have a setup to have at home, but I can go someplace to experience it for some kind of set price that's more affordable. Um, and what about um, some of the other uh, things that are often hyped at uh, at Seagraph is the ability to to work in real time when you're building anything in graphics, so in games and rendering and interactive simulations, whether the simulation is for NASA or it's just for a gamer who's building something for PlayStation. But this idea that the graphics cards and the technology is so sophisticated now that you can actually build things in real time, is, is that all over the floor as well? It certainly is. And one of the uh, coolest things I've seen, and I think this has a big opportunity for uh, out-of-home VR and certainly in-home VR in the future. Um, HP just launched a new backpack computer for VR. Wow. Um, And the way they've built it is it slots into a desktop stand. So while I'm at home, I mean, while I'm at my office, I can use it like a desktop computer. Cool. So I'm rendering my 3D virtual environment on the desktop. I snap it out of the, the dock throw it on my backpack, put on the head mount, and now I could walk around the environment I just built. Huh. So, so it, it's really the, uh, the sort of um, consumerization of these really high-end interactive solutions, you know, making oh, things really, really cool know, for I kinda, 
laugh, uh, you know, when you've been doing this a long time, the, the big computer we used for the Cuddy Sark Virtual Voyage was a system called the SGI Onyx Reality Engine. It was the size of a good-sized dorm refrigerator and was well into the six figures. Uh, this HP computer is about the size of a laptop and slots onto my back. Huh. So, it's, cha- it's, you know, changing, that, it's changing really fast, really fast. It's changing very quickly, and I think that's where you'll see some really interesting things. You know, when you look at some an out-of-home company like The Void and what they're doing where they combine a virtual reality experience, so I have on the head mount and the computer on the backpack, which takes away the issue of being tangled in the cord, and they combine it with an actual real physical set. So if in the virtual world I'm looking at a wall, there's actually a wall in front of me. I think that becomes hugely powerful in, you know, today. I think to create experiences like that is something we've only thought about. What about, um, what else are you seeing there? Anything with like facial rec and artificial intelligence? Because I know those are the other buzzwords sort of uh, beeping around at uh, at Seagraph. Right. So there is a lot of, uh, you know, markerless facial tracking systems. So you can do real-time animation. Uh, So I put the, the camera system aimed at my face. And then by simply talking, I'm animating a virtual character. Um, oh, that's I think you cool. See, yeah, that's, that's going to be really interesting again in the future, in the not-too-distant future, uh, for both creation of content that will be um, more produced like a movie, um, as well as more interesting real-time interaction where I can now see, I'm putting this in air quotes, a virtual play done by real actors in virtual environments. Huh. What, what about, um, you know, are you seeing any business people at the show this year? You know, because Seagraph, again, typically was for academics and engineers and graphics creators. But are you starting to see business people attend, like we saw at CES over the, you know, the last uh, five to ten years, CES became, has become a show for brands and businesses and very senior executives at large companies because they want to understand what's happening to consumer channels. So are you seeing a different kind of audience at the show this week? A a little bit, not to the level that we see at CES, right? Because even myself, I don't go to most of the panels because they're very detailed technical panels. They're snoozers, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, they, they are only if you if you're. They're more like user group meetings, right? They're more like right. really really down to to the tactics, as opposed right. to thought leadership experiences where you would find more of the executives that I'm talking about. Exactly right. Now that being said, what I do like that I'm seeing on the show floor is more companies demonstrating specific content verticals. So again, if, I, if you go to the HP setup, they have five or six different kind of experiences on verticals. So I can see an entertainment piece. I can see a pharmaceutical piece. I can see an auto development piece. That you're starting to see more of because there's just a lot more content being built like that. So there's more, there's more beaded B2C experiences now, other businesses jumping in and realizing these could be technologies and solutions that grow our business, whether it's for enterprise solutions or whether it's for consumer connection points. Exactly, exactly. And I, and I think that will continue to grow and unless some alien race shows up and takes all of our electricity away. <laughs> is, is that going to happen? You think that's going to happen? I'm I'm not exactly counting on that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to take a break in a moment. But when we come back, I I would love to hear from you. What are some of the biggest surprises that you've seen so so far on the show? Because it is hard to surprise someone like you who does this all the time and who throughout the year is attending shows. So it's not like you've been away for a couple years because I have a lot of colleagues who don't do what we do go to a show they haven't been to in years and are really blown away because it's been a while. But you and I are both in this monthly 
Um, so it's hard to surprise us, but I know you've been surprised by some things. So when we come back, I'd love to talk to you about that. And then also, where is the money you know, being made here? Because VR you know, is being beaten up kind of right now because there's so much investment going in, but very little being made right now, especially on the Hollywood side. So it would be great to hear from you where you think the business opportunities are in all this cutting-edge technology. So we're going to be back with David Polinchok, who is wandering the floor very purposefully at Seagraph 2017, one of the largest annual conferences for computer graphics and interactive technologies. David is the guru of all things in experience. So we'll be back in a moment with David, as, as long as a big monster doesn't come and take you away, right? That's right. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to fight them off. Okay. All right. We'll be back on the Tech Cat Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back. We're talking to David Polinchak, who is the chief experience officer for his consultancy. He's a specialist at looking at new technologies and helping brands understand the opportunity, especially in the last year or two in virtual reality and augmented reality. David is on the floor of Seagraph, talking to us live from the floor, filling us in on some of the coolest stuff at the largest computer graphics and interactive technology show. Um, so, David, what, what have you seen that's blown you away? Because it's hard to blow you away. You've seen a lot of yeah. stuff. You always do this. What, what, what's making you crazy? I, I think you're right. There's a lot of times you walk around and people are amazed and you go, yeah, I, I saw that five years ago. Um, so there, there are a couple of things here that definitely are at the very beginning of where they could be in the future. Um, one is tactile feedback tools. So one of the challenges that you have in virtual reality is you can't actually feel anything. And, and so that takes one significant sense away. So there's a, one of the research labs here is doing a thing where they're using sound waves to oh, create cool. a sense of touch. So they use uh, high-end ultrasonic, tiny, tiny little speakers, and as you move your hand to touch the virtual object that's floating in space, you can actually feel it in your hand. That's so cool. And how is that going to be used in consumer technologies, do you think? Like, will we start seeing that all over the place? I know in gaming controls, you know, you feel the vibrations. And obviously, when you turn your iPhone and all of that. But do you, do you see that being in every device? You know what? In the not-too-distant future, I mean, I don't think this is like next year it's coming out in the iPhone 9 or whatever's next. But I think as you start to think about... Retail experiences, for example, one of the challenges that you have with virtual retail experiences is you can't touch the fabric. So this kind of technology would let you virtually touch that blouse or that pair of pants and feel what it feels like. That's kind of awesome and powerful for me. Right, right. It, it, totally, it totally is. And I, and I think as we move more into voice activation and all these different solutions right. throughout, throughout your home, that touch becomes a really important piece. Um, we had um, a, a partner at CES this year called Immersive, and Immersive um, is one of those companies that's been working in haptic for years and years, but now what they're doing is putting it into ads on, on mobile phones so that when you're like watching a drink pour, the phone actually vibrates, and so you feel like you're holding the glass. Um, so stuff like that is so, so cool. So you're seeing a bunch of stuff in, in, the, in the touch arena at the show? 
Correct. And, and one of the things to your point is the thing about whether it be AR or VR, the thing about it is the more of the senses you can engage, the more your brain thinks it's real. So oh, so you learn you learn this over time, you mean? Over time, your brain gets trained. Right. And you start to go, all right, I'm looking at something, so it's visually there, and uh, but that's not convincing me that it's actually there. Right. Uh, but now I add, so I'm pouring that glass of, of soda, and my phone is vibrating as it would if it was a glass. My brain starts to go, ooh, that's a glass. You know, when you're sitting on this, this bench that Disney Research created, and you're seeing the rainfall on the screen, so you're not getting wet. You know it's not raining, yet you can feel the drops of rain on the bench around you. It, it creates a more real experience for the brain. Huh. Um, there's another experience here that I thought was kind of awesome. Just as a simple demo, they have a lot of work to do on this. But when you put on the head mount, you do a, a portal mechanism like you would in Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. can go from a, a cold environment to a hot environment, to a desert, into a cave. How do As they do that? Walk, how, so, how is that? How? So you're in VR. You have a head mount on. Um, you, can, you physically walk from, from, from place to place. You, you do, if you, in Doctor Strange, they, there's a mechanism where you open a portal that allows you to go from place to place. But when, when you go into the desert place, it turns on a heat lamp over you, so you suddenly feel the heat. When you go back through the portal to go into the cold cave, they turn the heat lamp, lamp off and blow cold air on you. Huh. So again, your brain is going, wow, dude, I'm, I'm cold. I must be in a cave. You know, it, it creates a different level of realism. And I think I did see... Um at least read about Merrill doing this, Merrill, the shoe company, where they would, they used to have like a little sort of mini mountain rock yep. that you would climb inside the store. And now they're adding a VR headset to that experience. So you're both right. climbing and the rock and doing that. Did you see some of that there? Yes. And I love that kind of set piece around VR that I don't think we do enough of. Um, right. One of the ones I talk about all the time is, um, Diesel, the, the gene company, built a thing about conquering your fear, so they have a number of different ones, um, probably particularly because I have a very sensitive fear of heights. They have one where you walk along the ledge of a, you know, a, a, a tall building, so you're outside walking along the ledge, but when you do the VR experience, you're actually walking along the ledge. Huh. Now, you, yeah. you know, you, you're only three inches off the ground, so you're not going to fall to your death. But when your foot scooches along this ledge that you're standing on, you can feel an end to it. Right, right, And that, right. again, gets your brain going, oh, my God, we're high. What's going on here? And I love that kind of stuff, even though I can't do it. So I love it. So, yeah, so our, so our brains are going to be retrained just like they were when, you know, the first movie cuts happened and we understood our brain eventually put together that, that this was a sequence of storytelling. And so now we're all sophisticated enough that, that that's what we understand. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, and it'll become more important to tell a full body experience. Right? It, you know, it, it was amazing the first time you saw a movie. It was absolutely amazing. And now it's not so amazing anymore. You know, I, like you, I have a daughter. My daughter is older than yours. But it's really hard to get my daughter amazed about anything. <laughs> you know, she's 16. She's pretty much seen everything. Right. Well, she um, is your daughter, too. I mean, she, she, sees, daughter, so she sees more than most. <laughs> uh, she, without a doubt, sees more than most. But, but, I mean, even talk about your daughter, who I'm sure is not always, like, you look at something and think, oh, my God, this is amazing. And she looks at it and goes, yeah, I saw that yesterday. Right, 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 right. Right? So the more I think we're going to have to, especially as it relates to out of home today and then eventually in home, um, is, is bring in those other senses. So whether it be smell, uh, friend Jackie Mori is doing awesome work with a, a, a necklace that you wear that brings fragrance into the virtual experiences. I think that's going to be cool, uh, the, the thing of heat lamps and 
um, tactile feedback, however it's done, I think those are all going to be critical to creating the next generation of really interesting experiences. So brands who are trying to either teach consumers about their product or to create a brand engagement experience uh, just for brand recognition, all these businesses are going to need to really continue to play in this space and use these new languages of touch and smell and uh, virtual to to be able to compete because if a few brands do it, everyone's going to have to jump in, right? Well, and, and that is a big challenge. Again, I think from a brand storytelling and brand experience point of view, we are so over-messaged. There's just so much going on out there. You know, we were laughing with some people today. We went to YouTube to look at a trailer for a movie and had to watch a trailer for a movie before we watched the trailer for the movie. <laughs> um, it, right. it, you know, it's just kind of like, dude, uh, I'm, I'm going here to watch a commercial. You don't have to give me a commercial before that. Right. Um, I think if, you, if we're really going to want to engage the consumer in a compelling way in the future, as you're saying, we're going to have to learn this whole new language of immersion. And when you're talking about things like VR and AR, I, if, if, if uh, you know, Google Glass comes back or Apple comes out with their Glass or even with the AR toolkit that Apple now has, Uh, that will launch with the new iPhone in in the fall. Um, What I don't want as a consumer is as I walk down the street, virtual billboards fly in front of my eyes and tell me to come get a cup of coffee or this pair of pants is for sale. That will make me want to pull my eyeballs out. So we're going to have to create a whole new language for how do you engage me when I'm fully immersed in a different world. Right, right, right. And in a smart in a smart way, so that it's not like the banner banner ads of old or the pop up um, ads in the browser. Now, I know you were telling me you saw some other things that aren't necessarily about virtual reality, but you think will have a role in in content creation. Something to do with dancers. Yeah, so I love this. My my wife is a dance teacher. My daughter is a dancer. Um, so I kind of love this. What they're doing is they're taking motion captures of dancers in poses. They're then taking that pose and 3D printing it, um, and then they're basically putting it in a 360 kind of setup where as it moves around, it creates the dance that they were doing. Huh. Um, they're using it for things like dance notation, um, which, I, which, again, personally, I think is kind of cool for what my family does. But I think also, again, you can create some really interesting experiences around technologies like that in the future. So I, I, I predict, and I wonder what you think, that maybe we will see more chief strategy officers, chief digital officers um, coming to shows like Seagraph um, j- just to start to get stimulated about where the future of sort of storytelling for brands is going. Right. And, and one of the things, and again, this is something we talk about at CES a lot. Uh, I know over the years you and I have talked about this, right? The challenge is that because the, the C person doesn't necessarily know how this all works and what it is, they tend to not want to do anything with it because they don't get it. Right, right, so right. They're not going to come to the show and suddenly become a Unity programmer. But by spending a day or two being immersed and being contextually immersed, it'll allow them when their tech people come in and go, dude, I want to do this awesome thing using tactile feedback they'll know what that language means. Right, right, that's right. That's going to be really critical. So there'll be less in those, in those uh, meetups and training sessions that we talked about, but more on the floor getting a taste of what cool experiences are. And the more that these vendors and companies do vertical-like case studies um, to, to let these executives understand the opportunities, the more this will all move forward, Right. Exactly. Uh, again, you know, because we do this so much, the, the point is when we do the CES tours, we don't simply walk around the floor and say, here's TVs, because right? they could do that on their own. What's right. really important is the context. Why do you care that there's 4K TVs? Do you care? Should you care at all? Because maybe, you know, as we did a couple years ago when 3D TV was all the rage at CES, and we just walked around and said, yeah, I wouldn't care about this at all. 
Consumer and we were right. And, no, yeah, and we were right, right? <laughs> we <laughs> were totally right. Nobody cares about 3D TVs. This is stupid. Um, right, right. Other things will be really critical, and we'll be saying, ah, so tactile feedback, is that going to be deployed widely, you know, in the next six months? No. But there will be a day when people will go, how do you build an experience without that? And people have to start understanding that context today to build for tomorrow. Right. Really good point. So we, get, we have to uh, take a break for, for our last segment. But when we come back, we'll talk to David also about, especially because you do this for a living, what shows do you go to, you must go to, that, that you think are so important to the year? Um, what are you reading, you know, to keep yourself up? And I know you do a lot of speaking along with your daughter, so we'd love to share that with our audience and, you know, where can we find you and things like that. So we'll be back in a moment with the fabulous David Polinchak, who is um, talking to us live from the floor of Seagraph 2017, one of the largest um, computer graphic and interactive technology shows, um, filling us in on all what's new and cool. So we'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back. It's a little loud, but as someone who attends shows professionally because you're usually like me, crafting experiences um, and breaking down the what's important at these shows. What are some of the, the shows like Seagraph and we've been talking about CES that you feel are must-go-tos for brands and businesses in order to keep up with what's happening? Well, certainly the three you just mentioned, right? Seagraph, CES. Um, I go to South By almost every year. Um, for the, uh, although South By is getting a little, I don't know, overrun, I think, and um, not necessarily seeing. You see some good activations, but don't necessarily see some interesting technologies. Um, I also do a lot of small events, meetups, uh, and things like that, uh, both in New York and when I travel, because they're a little bit more intimate and you get a little bit more opportunity to, dis- to talk to people about things. So I was at the um, uh, augmented reality meetup in New York that's called Arnie, um, met a person who, who built... Who, who did for a small event these um, wrist bracelets that you would put on, like, you know, the things you get at carnivals so that they know you, you paid the entrance fee. Um, right, right. He did those, but he layered augmented reality on top of it. So huh. you held your phone above it, you got the map of where everything was for the show. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that's very cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And I, um, so I go to a lot of smaller shows like that, um, there are certainly um, 
you know, some highly technical shows. There's a number of SIGGRAPs. So there's SIGGRAP here in Los Angeles, which is the main show, then Vancouver next year, then there's uh, SIGGRAPH uh, Asia, and there's a number of smaller SIGGRAPH events um, that I'll go to. I'm, I'm also a member of the parent organization of SIGGRAPH called the ACM, so I will, you know, I get a number of publications from them and get their newsletters and things, and that's also, you know, where I'm learning more about what's going on in the future, not necessarily what, what's a product that I could buy tomorrow. Got it. So how do you find out, though, what are the smaller shows to go see? You just kind of get wrapped into those ecosystems, and so you start to find out these things. Right. And, you know, it's, I'm sure, again, it's exactly what, first of all, I talk to people like you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because you're talking to a million people. And we, we, we've all got that small network of people who are happy to share with one another um, what we think are really interesting events. Um, you know, as I joked about earlier, sometimes I don't want to tell people about it. I don't want to tell the audience at large about it. I'm happy to share with people like you um, because sometimes, the, you know, the charm of the show gets a little lost. Um, but it really is keeping up a very good network of people who share and are in different parts of the country or the world so we can see different things. You know, that's how we found picnic, which was an awesome event um, many years ago uh, that we attended in Amsterdam that, according to Kitty Leering, may be coming back. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, that, was a great, so. that was a great show. That's when David and I had an uh, experience at a bar one night, but we'll, <laughs> we'll share that on right, another show. <laughs> yes. Well, when, we, when we broadcast live from a bar, we can tell that story. <laughs> yeah, that story was crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so keeping in touch with, uh, you know, sort of being aware of um, the areas that you're interested in and then seeking out those communities to find out things. What, what about reading? What, what do you make sure you read? Do you read certain newsletters every day? Is there anything that you, you can't miss, you know, video, podcasts, anything, you know, that you jump onto? Uh, you know, certainly yours, um, which is awesome. Um, and I, I don't know that there's anything that I would specifically say. You know, I do read the Gadgets and the Gizmodos and the things like that. Um, Usually, by the time you're seeing something there, it's pretty close in. Um, I do try to stay up on some of the university publications. And like I said, the, the specifics for an ACM or SIGGRAPH and things like that, because that's where I learn about the, the things a little bit further out. Um, and that's another area I think brands don't really use enough, which is the university research network. Oh, that's an interesting um, point. That's right. Okay, you know, yeah. There's so much great work being done at universities. I always go in New York. We, uh, there's a program at NYU called the Interactive Telecommunications Program, which is a master's program uh, in interactive storytelling experiences. They open up their lab twice a year for student shows. I always go. Right, uh, right, right. And, and when she's available, and I think this is just as important, I'll bring Sydney with me. And that's your daughter. That's your daughter. That's my daughter, Sydney, who's 16. There are times that I look at something. Like, honestly, as much as I have Snapchat spectacles and I have a Snap account, I'm never on Snapchat. Right? Right. So I'm, I'm not a good person to, to talk about how best to use it. My daughter is on Snap all the time. So there are many times I'll take her with me. She's actually been with me to SIGGRAPH two or three times. Because she can look at things because of her Gen Z status and nature and, and have a very different reaction, both positively and negatively. Sometimes I look at something and go, this is the most awesome thing in the world. And she looks at it and goes, I would never do it. None of my friends would ever do that. Right, right, right. Um, so that, that, that and, helps you get, get, get perspective. It really does. It really does. Um, cool. And we'll That's have cool to make too. sure that you're in New York for, a, uh, for an ITP show, and we'll do this from the ITP show. Because, again, you're seeing a lot of interesting research there. They're not products. They're not things you can buy. Um, but, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, one of the students made a system so that it was an overlay on Hulu, I believe, that when you were watching a TV show, you could click on an actor and pull up their IMDb page. That's cool, too. <laughs> I don't know why we're not doing that today. I spend most of my time watching TV shows going to IMDb because my wife and I are watching the show going, 
where do we know that person from? We just saw them in another show. Where was it? You know, or things like that. So, so that's a really, I think a lot of places are not using that well at all, a lot of brands, to really explore a very different world. Right, and, and dig into that. Now, now, what about, where are you speaking next? And I know you do a lot with your daughter. Maybe you can share with us a little bit on that, the special thing that you and your daughter talk about a lot. Yeah, so we started at South By uh, three years ago now, when she was 13. Uh, she and a classmate were the second youngest speakers ever in the history of South by Southwest. So very excited about that. And we really do a thing called conversations with digital natives where it's really me just talking to them about how they actually live, right? Um, One of the challenges I find is that there's a lot of people who are in their 40s and 50s talking about Gen Z, um, you know, and what they do and what they don't do. Well, I live with a Gen Z person. I couldn't explain to you what she does and what she doesn't do. I don't know why Snapchat works. I I don't get it. Um, So to, to understand it from them, like, one of the reasons we did the first one at, at South by a number of years ago was I asked her about getting a Facebook account because she was technically of legal age, uh, being 13. Um, but two of her classmates' families had moved back to the UK. So I thought, get a Facebook page. That way you can keep in touch. Because, um, of course, everybody's on Facebook. Well, the first thing she said to me was that. None of us are on Facebook. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the reality. Well, we we have to jump off, David. But where can we find you? Tell us your social media handles and where you're writing and where people can contact sure. you if they want to dig in more. Um, so I have a blog, which is blog dot p o l i n c h o c k dot com. So I'll do a whole write up of SIGGRAPH when I get back on uh, uh, over the weekend. Um, my Twitter handle is also at Pollenchalk, so you can always find me there. And you can always email me at david at com. Excellent. And um, you'll be uh, uh, obviously tweeting and posting things um, tomorrow as well yep. um, when we, we meet up at Seagraph. So definitely yep. um, check out all the social media that David's pumping out and uh, Google Seagraph to, to learn the latest. There's so much interesting so many interesting things happening there this year that really change it from this geek fest to you know a real trend fest i think and understanding what the future of of content and experience is going to be so thank you so much david polachek thank you so much from uh, taking time out of your crazy day at seagraph to talk to us we so appreciate it always thrilled to do it for you and we will be uh, we will be back um, broadcasting on the Tech Cat Show next week with some more fabulous people. Probably not as fabulous as David, but we we always hope to to get back there again. Thank you so much, everybody. Talk to you next week. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 